Hey there, gang, Angus here. Before we get into the show, let me ask you a quick question. Would you like to learn how to get your first patient-attracting Facebook and Instagram ad up and running in the next 60 minutes? Now, there's never been a better and easier time for you to be using social media to reach out to your community and invite them into your practice. Now, in this free 60-minute on-demand training, you'll be able to look over my shoulder as I walk you through step-by-step how to set up your first patient-attracting Facebook and Instagram ad. You'll see just how simple it is when you know how. I'm even going to give you access to my best performing ad with the images and the exact text that I use. Now, this ad currently brings in $7.70 worth of business for every $1 that I spend. You'll learn the right way to assess the success of your ad. Now, almost all practitioners get this wrong, and it's costing them thousands. You'll discover the number one commodity that your practice must be building in 2020 if you're wanting to build a profitable, predictable, impactful, and enjoyable practice. You'll find out why relying on organic reach on social media alone is a recipe for failure. And I'll reveal the dirty little secret that most social media and ad agencies don't want you to know and heaps, heaps more. Now to register for this free on-demand training, all you need to do is head on over to adiomedia.com forward slash simple. Yep, it's really simple when you know how. That's adiomedia.com forward slash simple. And in 60 minutes, I'll show you exactly how to get your first patient-attracting Facebook and Instagram ad up and running. Head on over to adiomedia.com forward slash simple. Enjoy the show. You know, I, I remember again in practice, you talk about these communication technologies that we had, and I'm going, you know, we had telephones and, you know, wired in telephones and systems that were on there. And we had websites that evolved. And then, you you know, the whole thing was SEO and you had to be able to, to know how your Google rankings were going to go. And, and before you knew it, then we had to start to have that next level of communication, which was through Facebook and Messenger and email and now Insta. And, you know, you start to realize that you have to have a control mechanism. Welcome to the Marketing Your Practice podcast, where we guide natural health and wellness experts through the pitfalls of marketing. Each episode, you'll learn simple, effective, easily actionable, and heart-centered marketing strategies. And here's your host, Angus Pike. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, friends. Welcome to the Marketing Your Practice podcast. The guest on today's show is none other than my good friend, Dr. David Fletcher. Now, David's role as the innovator of the insight scanning technology places him at an important intersection between today's technology. We're going to talk a lot about technology today and the timeless principles of healing. Now, David is probably without a doubt one of the best and most accomplished communicators that I have ever met. He is a fellow in chiropractic sports sciences. He's now the owner president of CLA and David has a an incredible ability to be able to bridge the gap, particularly in the chiropractic profession. Now, his passion is for teaching success-based principles, building certainty for us in practitioners. And today, we're here to talk about differentiation and the role that technology plays in our marketing. David, welcome to the Marketing Your Practice podcast. So excited to uh, catch up with you, my friend, Angus. And uh, this was one of those that had a big circle on it on my calendar because I, A, adore talking with you. Uh, I learned so much and I think we never stop laughing. And the second part is, is that I think I have something to share. Yeah, I, I know you have something to share. 
Um, and it's funny, I'm not certain that uh, a part of the Marketing Your Practice podcast isn't just some kind of cover for me to be able to catch up with my friends around the world, pin them down for 45 minutes, have a catch up uh, pre and post as, as well. So for our listeners that might not be aware of your journey up until this date, can you give us a little thumbnail of what brings you to, to present time? Oh, absolutely. And you know, the best part is that my CV is uh, not about to be discussed. It's, it's really you know, summed up in, in almost two categories. I am a chiropractor. I adore being a chiropractor. And over the many years of, of you know, being in practice and, and developing practices, I think I fell in love with it even more than I ever thought I could. Now, you know, the love affair paid off tremendously because it was one of those things where we started to envision and build really beautiful practices. And along the way, um, I started to realize through academics and through just practice growth and, and what we're going to talk about today, marketing, that instrumentation and, and the development of technologies that could assist in the growth and development of our community, embracing chiropractic, um, was the way for me to go anyways. And so over the course of time, I became the academic advisor in how to deliver um, you know, the model of instrumentation that was the, you know, at that time was CLA's Insight Subluxation Station. Um, I sat for 17 years with, with uh, Dr. Jen Temple and Dr. Ken, and we sort of envisioned and built this really quite massive, in, you know, input into the chiropractic community. Um, nine years ago, I think it is nine years ago, yes, um, I took over. Um, you know, the other two uh, principles stepped sideways and that allowed myself to really, you know, take the reins. And that's when we started to build in some of these fabulous technological innovations. Um, because as we started to realize that although the subluxation station was one of those fabulous introductions of technology interfacing with chiropractic, there was room to leverage the latest technologies and the latest opportunities. And so that's been my journey for the past nine years, which is to take a really good idea of blending those sort of timeless principles of healing, instrumentation, interface with the outcome of successful practices. And it's been a hell of a lot of fun along the way. The, I, I can only, you know, we, we were talking a little bit beforehand. I can only imagine some of the learnings. Uh, it's, you know, in many ways, we are, uh, many of us are CEOs of our practice. We don't think of ourselves as CEOs. And I think that that might be part of the problem with some of the challenges that we have. But for all extents and purposes, with you taking over CLA, there were a number of staff, certainly when you took over, you were going from running a practice and lots of people. What have been some of the biggest lessons, perhaps from a marketing point of view, in stepping into a business the size of CLA? Um, what are some of the, the biggest take homes? Well, I think that many of us get uh, numbed into this perspective in practice, especially that, um, you know, we can, we can step out of that marketing necessity and we kind of live off of the, the ease, if, especially if you're in sort of a practice, live off the ease of an awful lot of referral-based practices. And what you don't realize is that there's this incestuous process that's going on, which actually hinders. You hit a very, very, you know, very visible glass ceiling because you're still just attracting people who have the same vision model and whatever else. The minute that you in practice begin to step outside of things is the, is the way that you start to really allow yourself to grow, to stretch and, and, and take your message outside of those four walls. And 
that's what I learned in CLA is that instead of the four walls, we, we literally had a global experience going on with CLA. And although our focus has been, you know, sort of where the concentrated hubs are in chiropractic, North America, Australia, you know, and we started to realize that many of the opportunities we had had been untouched by chiropractic conversations. So we started to look at Europe and emerging markets that were in Asia and things of that nature. And so we started to realize that what we had in marketing had to be constantly dripping. And that was really different than what I was experiencing in practice. In, in, in practice, I had, I had this machine that was self-propagating. And when I got into CLA, I realized that we had so many new markets. We had so many new message builds that we could build upon. And this coincided with the opportunities of new marketing technologies and strategies. You know, at the same time, nine years ago that I was taking over, there was this sense that, that, that social media was into the, into the message build, um, that the decline in paper and, and print advertising was coming down. So one of the biggest strategies that I had confronted with me and the challenges was I had a steep learning curve. I realized I had to be visible, but I wasn't that familiar from my training in chiropractic you know, practice to learn how to leverage these new technologies in, mm. in marketing, visibility and communicating. Yeah, visibility is my focus for 2020. I've been talking a lot about it on the podcast. Hopefully my listeners, are one of two things, either getting bored of it, which means you're starting to hear me. Um, but it's all about attention. And I think about attention and visibility in the same way. I think flat out this, and again, this is the same thing that you know leaders like Gary Vaynerchuk are talking about. The business that has the most attention in 2020 and beyond will be the ones that find it the most easy to succeed. Um, and I think I think this also because you might have found this as a practitioner, right? As a chiropractor in Port Melbourne, my audience mostly are within about a six mile radius. Yeah, for me to find them nowadays. Um, compared to 15 years ago when I opened up the practice, it's easier than ever. For $2.50 a day, I can put my message in front of a thousand eyes, people around. I mean, if you can imagine the ability for you to be able to have done that when you're in practice, reach a thousand people with a video, a message, that kind of stuff there for $2.50, you know, do it over a week and you're, you know, 20 bucks or less than. Um, for you to find your audience, they're global. You know, you're trying to find chiropractors in Australia, you know, in Europe and, you know, South America, America, that kind of stuff there too. There are some increased challenges that go along with finding that audience. You know, I think one of the, whether it's a smaller practice in Port Melbourne and not your practice, but smaller area practice or mine that was in a suburb of Toronto, you still have to be able to, and I like this, attention that you brought forward you know you still have to begin that that process by having intention leading to attention leading to retention i mean that's the that's the dialogue principle that you have to have and you have to with intention make the priority of visibility or attention just that it has to be a priority um and so in our world you know, you start to realize you can't be an expert in everything and there's just a lot going on. You have to hire the right people. And then if you don't hire the right people, then, you know, that are in-house or you don't have the resources in-house, you have to be familiar with how to use, you know, uh, distant marketing models uh, that will fill, you know, you, you hire contractors to build out your content with you. 
there's challenges there. Nobody writes chiropractic like chiropractors. You know, you can't go and hire a, a content firm to write stuff that you want. So it ends up falling back on your shoulders. Those are some of the challenges that we found over the years. But at the same time, it didn't derail us. You know, I, I remember again in practice, you talk about these communication technologies that we had and I'm going, you know, we had telephones and, you know, wired in telephones and systems that were in there and we had websites that evolved. And then, you you know, the whole thing was SEO and you had to be able to, to know how your Google rankings were going to go. And, and before you knew it, then we had to start to have that next level of communication, which was through Facebook and Messenger and email and now Insta. And, you know, you start to realize that you have to have a control mechanism as to how you're going to coordinate all of these inbound outbound relationships and that you know one thing that i would say is don't be afraid in a smaller practice as we learned in a bigger business to enroll the services of others you know it may not be for content which is sort of why i'm wrapping that up but it will be in things that you i honestly i am i don't even know how to manage this stuff you know, that's, that's, that's something that I did. I barely know how to do Facebook Lives, but I figured out enough that I could be relevant. But when it came to Insta, it was like, uh, you know, I'm maxed out, I'm topped up, so I'll hire to that next level. Mm-hmm. And it's been, very, it's been very useful and very cost-effective to do that. Yeah, I, I've had some interesting lessons over this last, uh, maybe even this last six months, particularly with regards to Adio Media, um, of as a, a solopreneur in that business, you know, responsible for everything. I needed to have my my head across everything and know how to do every task inside of there. And that becomes limiting really quickly. To an extent, um, I, I see chiropractors, naturopaths, small business that are listening to this, tend to fall into one of two categories. They're either like I am at the moment in terms of solopreneurs. Now, maybe they're not answering the phone, you know, those kind of things there too. But they're responsible for everything and over and and perhaps we could call that micromanaging inside of that too. And or they don't delegate, they abdicate. They're like, I've got no idea how that happens. And if that staff person had to happened to leave, then I'd be in incredible strife. You know, they don't understand the procedures, those kind of things there too. And I'm realizing the intersection between those two that, you know, we looked at Richard Branson, for instance, you know, did he have anything really to do with the logo on the airplane? Does he know how to send an email? Does he know how to pay the superannuation of his staff? There's no chance that he knows how to do any of those kind of things. But there's a process that I'm sure that it's taken for him. I'm sure it wasn't like that at day one, you know, to move into that 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 level also. Uh, where, where do you think that kind of fits between kind of abdication and micromanaging? Being, now that you've kind of stepped into a bigger business, where does that fit? And actually, I think that it's the conundrum of all CEOs. Is this is this, you know, where do you detach yourself but still stay attached? And so the one, one of my great mentor coaches said to me, you can only grow as far as you can delegate. And there is, a, there is a great wisdom in that. And to delegate, there has to be this new trust level that you bring on. And so one of the sort of more traditional ways is to build an employee trust model. But as a solopreneur, you know, we work out of, you know, many times where we're not, we're not, you know, working in a confined office space anymore. We're very mobile. I mean, I'm on the, I'm speaking 40 weekends a year. It's tough to, it's tough to have, you know, 
FaceTime with the employees that are there. So you have to use technologies to build that trust, you know, to open up conversations. To answer your question as to how you make that, you know, how you observe that intersection, it's like driving. You better not be driving 100 miles an hour and not know that there's an intersection coming up. Mm. Meaning that you better be aware that if you're going to grow, you need to learn how to delegate and you need to also be highly aware of looking at your outside world. And many times it's your emotions, your degree of stress, your sleepability at night that's keeping you awake, that you are reaching your max. Mm. You know, um, it isn't that your vision got lost. It isn't that you don't have you know, good work habits yourself and everybody else. Everything in solopreneurship seems to be focused on this tunneling down that says you're responsible. But if you're going to grow past that, you have to you have to have a forward vision as to how you're going to begin to delegate. It's mm. huge. Mm. So I would say that the first warning signs that you have are that you are staying up too late answering emails. I know that sounds ridiculous, but we all do it. But it's, it's one of those signs that say that with best intention, you can't get to everything by the end of the day. So if you're, if you're working, you know, to long past your bedtime of what it used to be, you're probably not just managing projects. You've probably outgrown the fact that you need a VA or you need somebody to support you in doing lesser important tasks. If you find yourself dreading doing certain tasks, like superannuations and things of that nature, absolutely delegate out those things. Those are the easiest things to delegate. I learned a long time ago, I'm a really bad accounting person. You know, I don't even read financials as well as I want to. So I hired the right people and they force me to, and I force them and they force me to give a breakdown, but they cover the business side of the accounting and otherwise. And that's a huge sense of freedom that I buy. That is not money spent. On the personal side, I remember this when we had younger children, and I think many of the listeners will resonate with this. We hired when we had three children and three, three, you know, children growing up and I had a very active career. Uh, Nancy has a very active career. And so we needed support. And so there was this sense of trying to, you know, hire housekeepers or whatever else. When we finally hired a full-time nanny for when the children were very young and we started to do it, I really realized that the cost of it was almost like an insurance policy. Mm -hmm. In other words, it wasn't based upon whether it was affordable or not, it was an insurance policy. And we really don't necessarily wonder whether they're affordable or not because you need insurance. And as a result of that, I never resented paying the monies out for uh, a nanny for insurance policies on the personal side. I never resent paying out the fees I have for accounting and financial services that go on there. So the next thing I'm gonna ask you or mention is that if you resent paying because you think you're better than or you can do, get over it. Find the next thing that you can delegate. Um, last comment, I, I found I wanted to delegate content. I've mentioned that already, but I realized nobody knew it as I did. So I realized that was something I couldn't delegate or wouldn't delegate. But when it came down to systems management or communication grids or anything else, I looked for the right team, I looked for the right person, and I hired them right away. Mm. I'm interested. I've been thinking a lot about what can and can't be delegated inside of our practices. And um, 
it, you know, there's the taking care of our practice members, you know, the delivering of the adjustment, the consultation. Now, provided that, you know, th that's assuming that you're not going to want to build a practice full of other practitioners because you could do that too. So, so let's say that that can't be delegated. Uh, I, I think also, if you're thinking, going back to this idea, because part of building attention in 2020 and beyond is that most companies, successful companies, um, when we're talking about branding, the branding it has a person behind it. You know, Apple and Steve Jobs is a perfect example there too. You know, when we um, look at Tesla, then we go, okay, we've got Tesla, but then at the same time, and as a, you know, here's the irony of these kind of things. It'll come to me at the moment. That, well, well, it's, <laughs> we all know his name, so he's done a fabulous job. Yes, you know, so so we're looking at these kind of things there too. I think you need to start thinking about branding you. Now, that scares a lot of us, but that, that can't be delegated as much as we want to delegate that. Like I want to, if I'm thinking about buying an insight, if I'm thinking about working with CLA, like I need to know who David is. Like I want that relationship there. You know, a, a multi-billion dollar company, we mentioned um, Virgin beforehand. You know, it's, it's built around Richard Branson. He's that person there. And as I think you so, you know, eloquently put before, there are some things that we just need to be responsible for inside of that. Now, whilst you might be responsible for creating the content, you know, whether that be publishing it, editing it, editing the video, you know, sharing it through multiple streams, all those kind of things, like it, 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 that doesn't need to be and shouldn't have you having anything to do with any of that kind of stuff. So that form of delegation from there, I think is important, but we, I'm passionate about the fact that the practitioners need to be the face of their business. And if they're telling themselves that they don't want to be, then they're in for a rude awakening in the years to come. You're, you're spot on. And everything should be you being the brand, especially, especially in healthcare. It makes it so easy because you can dif distinguish yourself almost immediately. Mm. There is no competition to you. There's a lot of competition to product, but there is no competition to you. So the more you brand to you, the more capable you are. Our, our, our office was always known as Fletcher Chiropractic. You know, we absolutely knew that the brand had to be Fletcher as we were going out. And the chiropractic defined Fletcher, not Fletcher defined chiropractic. And, and that was really a critical point. And so I was always visible in the community as, as David being the chiropractor in the community. Um, and when I went out, and this was hard for me, I tried to distance myself and, and talk to the third person concept of chiropractic. Well, you know, chiropractic can help you. And what we started to realize was we could say Fletcher can help you as being a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. And there's a big difference there in how that branding then gets taken into the community. If you, if you listen to those who don't brand themselves, they say, I'm going to the chiropractor. And in my world today, People say, I'm going to catch Fletcher at an event, you know, where there is. Because we took that practice experience, which was Fletcher Chiropractic, very successful, you know, practice experience and growth. And, and, you know, it was everything I wanted it to be because we designed it that way. And when we went into the bigger, and it is a bigger arena, which is CLA, and we started to, to you know, manage that, um, you know, you brought up 
Tesla and you brought up Virgin as being brands or Dyson even, you know, Dyson was named Dyson because, mm. you know, Dyson is the engineer. Mm. The, the point of it was, is that I, I, I don't think there's very many people on this podcast that could say, oh yeah, I know who the, who the CEO of, I don't, Ford is right now. I don't know. You know, mm. I don't have a clue, mm. but I certainly know that Elon Musk is, is associated with Tesla. Mm. So they have done a brilliant job of branding the technology to the person as much as the technology to the outcome. Yes. And, and it's so critical that we understand it. So this is very interesting. When we started to take the really substantive next steps in building CLA, and CLA is flourishing like never before right now. It's, it's, it's really in a very growth-oriented phase. We didn't hire a marketing firm. And it's so interesting. We already had an iconic brand. People in our business mm. refer to us as the CLA. So we already had an established, you know, brand that was CLA that was there. But we didn't hire a marketing firm to go to the next level. When we did it, we hired a branding firm. And the branding firm came to us and said, we're going to brand you on your culture. Okay, so in other words, you've already got a name who you are, as nebulous as it is. Now we're going to establish the culture of what you stand for. And that means that it brings you into the, into the, into the mix because you set culture. And so developing the culture was fascinating because it forced us on day one of a, it was about a three-day intensive that we were on, very big time branding relationship. And we said, you know, what is it? Where do we start with this? You know, what's the culture? Well, it came down to core values. And, you know, by the time we established those core values, we recognized that those core values were what each of us in the executive team live by, which means that I could put the Fletcher name out there and not be at conflict with where CLA was. CLA was a mirror image of Fletcher through the core values. So I think that that's a really good point to make for our listeners here yeah it, it, so many things racing through my mind for for some of you listening to this and you're thinking about kind of branding your practice and you might think well how is this going to work if i've got multiple practitioners and or want to have multiple uh practices also i think the same still holds you know i'm a huge fan of amazon uh, jeff bezos uh the guy it, i'm not i'm not expecting Jeff to be the one packaging the book and delivering it to me. I, I, I don't expect that Jeff was the one that built the website, but there's a, a value and a brand around that. Same with Elon Musk and, and Tesla. If you're out there putting yourself forwards as the brand of, in the case we've talked about, Fletcher Chiropractic, and I share the values of it and I understand what's going on here, and I come into the practice and then it's... A, it, and if you've done a good enough job with regards to that, I'm going to trust that Fletcher's going to choose great chiropractors. And even if it's not Fletcher that's here with me, and I, I want to really double click on that for you guys that are going through that conundrum inside your head, because we interact with businesses each and every day that brand around a person, and yet we never have anything ever to do with a person. And uh, we're never likely to. The chance of us ever meeting Elon Musk, yet we can go and buy a Tesla, you know, tomorrow. But it has to be built, all of these brands, certainly the newer brands of the last decade, 15 years, the successful ones, are really strongly built around a person and values as well. And there's been this shift from 
marketing, direct response marketing to branding things, linking in more than ever before that I think is 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 interesting. I want to kind of parlay this a little into because I want to talk about technology today. Um, and I, I was mentioning to you beforehand, the story that kind of really triggered me wanting to talk to you, I was reading it. There's a book called Ogilvy on advertising. And for those of you who don't know, David Ogilvy was <clears throat> uh, 1950s New York, the original kind of Mad Men. Exactly. Perfect. Um, you know, the OG of it all. And he was asked to put together a campaign for one of the beer uh, companies. And as a part of doing his due diligence for that, he said, take me through the factory where the beer is made. And they're taking him through and almost as uh, um, you know, a side note, they said, look, that's where we twice filter the water over there and then onto the next of the sort of hops. He goes, wait, 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 what do you do with the water? Because that's where we twice filter it. Like we, we filter it twice so the water is cleaner. It actually gives a much nicer tasting, crisper beer. And he says, well, wow, that's amazing. The guy goes, no, that's not amazing. Like all beer companies do that. He goes, yeah, all beer companies do that, but no one knows that all beer companies do that. Their whole advertising campaign was then built around twice filtered beer, crisper, better tasting beer. Now, here's the important take home. All beer companies were doing that, but only one beer company was telling the story of it. And this point of differentiation, we'll talk about that word in a moment, was what skyrocketed them up to number one, held them there for a long time. Many of you have technology in your practice. We'll talk about the inside in a moment, but you're not telling anybody about it. You're not differentiating you from the guy or girl next door. We're not making the most of this to share a message and remind people of why we're different. I know that you inside of uh, CLA have spent a lot of time talking to your practice practitioners, not only about how they can use the insight to better serve their patients, but how do they use that to communicate and differentiate out to their community as well? Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I thought that the, uh, the Ogilvy message build there was to highlight, you know, what is a standard and make it an exceptional. And, you know, I think that, that that is what all of us do all the time. People don't realize in their practices that they, what they do in the rote standardization is actually exceptional if they put a spotlight on it. Yes. And one of the things that, that is standardized, and we as clinicians and, you know, you know, registered health practitioners put out there is that we do examinations. You know, I mean, that's what we are supposed to do. We're smart people in that realm, and we're supposed to, you know, use examinations to be solution drivers. What we don't take for granted, or what we do take for granted but don't expend, is that you, you could do anything. Like, if you wanted to, you could, you could shine the spotlight and say, we do amazing, you know, height and weight measurements. And, you know, you just have to find a little hook on the height and weight measurement. And all you'd have to do is say, oh, yeah, and, you know, we, we do caliper measurements on that because it matters. I'm making that up, of course. But the easiest thing to do is then attach, because height and weight measurements aren't exactly innovative. They're just mm. experiential. But if you match the rote, which is the standard, and you then elevate that standard by highlighting today's technologies, then you create in branding what is known as the DD, which is the dramatic difference. It means that everybody expects, a, everybody expects an examination. So instead of coming in with an insight and saying, you know, new technology that's gonna do it, it's new examinations that draw our attention to. 
And so instead of promoting the technologies, you have this opportunity to promote this advanced examination model that you become the defined expert in. And so the whole goal of, let's take the beer, beer model, is that everybody was doing it, but by even highlighting that conversation, they became the experts in getting crisp, clear, double filtered water. Yeah. And, and, and because, again, that's that attention intention, if you can take a look, and we'll make it easy for you because we've been doing you know, this, this visibility model within chiropractic using these really sophisticated technologies. And instead of going down a, a bunny hole and talking about how you know, there's validity and reliability and the clients don't care, they just want to know you care. And if you go out and show them that there is this, that, that you made a choice, that by your extension of your decisions, and you said that whether it was, you know, practitioner specific or otherwise, that your intention to create attention to detail was so evident in the standard, which is the examination, you win every time. It becomes what you can talk about. And you don't feel like you're being promotive. You're just being, well, that's what we do here. It, um, it's a great reflection of the power of story that that the story about the story is where the value exists in that you know all of us understand the story of a diamond ring you know it's a a piece of precious stone because we've said that it's precious and if i want to elevate the level of value even further if i happen to put it in one of those little turquoise boxes then it goes up again and regardless of whether the stone and here's the irony you know, when you have, I, I, I can get that if I have um, a Ford and a Ferrari sitting next to each other, I can totally get why I would pay more money for the Ferrari. I can sell myself on a bigger, faster engine, more technology, those kind of things there too. But I want, I want our listeners to get the enormity of this. I can have two diamond rings, same in clarity, cut, the whole kind of thing from there as well. And, and, and one of them is from Joe Blow the jeweler and the other one has a Tiffany stamp on it. So other than that too, and the price in many cases can be double if not triple. The, the only difference is story. So don't underestimate the value of story. We, we could say to someone, look, you know, David, we're gonna begin your examination. Or I could say, David, what we're gonna start now is my seven part spinal neural exam. It, you know, it, all it is is I've, I've used a story in a round and I've just made that up. It's not the best story, but it's better than just saying we're going to start your examination. There's seven parts of it. It's a spinal neuro exam. When we start to look over the things that we're doing, I'm promising you there's magic in what you already do. Whether you choose to buy David's technology, and you should, I've, I've been a huge fan of it. I've, I've had it in my practice since day one. But I promise you there's things that you're doing right now that if you were to just change the story in around it and or just tell the story in around it, the perceived value would skyrocket. Um, and, and your technology, not only is it fabulous uh, implicitly as, as well, but when we tell a story around it, it makes it even better. Yeah, and there's so many, like you said, so many, so many conversations in my head that I want to share regarding that. But story building is exactly what it is about. Um, you know, the obvious to that diamond ring story is that it, you, you use the turquoise box. The instant that you add value to what is there, um, and, and, you know, um, brands have been doing this forever. 
there's quality in both those two, you know, in those two bags that a person, well, let's do something simple like jeans. You know, one has a designer label and one doesn't. They both, they both are there. They're really hard to differentiate between the Ford and the Ferrari. I can't really tell you the difference if I don't really know the thing, but I buy by brand. And so when you start to brand the insight, and we've done this now because we've been around long enough. Dyson did it you know, perfectly, because they, they took a very inert experience, which is called the vacuum cleaner. I mean, who cares, right? Everybody needs one, everybody uses it. But now they said, you don't buy a vacuum cleaner, you buy a Dyson. Mm. And so their, their hook in the market space was infinite engineering. You know, they, they said, we create this vacuum tunnel. They all do. It's called a vacuum, you know? And they create this, this, this cyclonic motion. Well, that's what happens when you create a vacuum. And they put a little bit of a plastic wrapper around the cyclonic thing and some dirt started spinning. It's the same thing as you get with a Bissell or whatever it is. But the truth of it is, is that we started to see that they could brand it with a little bit of a, of a you know, turquoise box. And they took a brand that was inert. Everybody actually wants to buy a vacuum cleaner now versus needs to buy a vacuum cleaner. And that's the distinction in, in where you know your branding is hitting is that, you know, and I'm talking to our practitioners, is that your brand is that people want to be checked by you. We all know from a chiropractic perspective that there is sometimes a stigma about wanting to go to a chiropractor versus needing to go to a chiropractor. And let me give you the distinction there that, that you know, and, and you interviewed Tony Ebel, you know, earlier. You know, he took, he took it away from being a needs value for child-based chiropractic to I want to get my child checked, mm. you know. And this is this whole distinction about understanding the communication between this desire versus need. And, and I think that the term subluxation is brilliant in that. Because in itself, it has a cachet that we don't build upon. You know, you talk about missed opportunities. Subluxation has so many stigmas when it comes to being within the profession itself. But outside of the profession, nobody knows it's a stigma unless they're, unless they're done. We, we could capitalize on the fact because on top of all of that, we have plethora of research that's based on that whole terminology. You know, so we, we've got a running start on it. So you take somebody like a Dr. Ebel, who recognized a niche within the market space of chiropractic and started to build a relationship to those very, very informed parents who had special needs children, could perhaps spectrum children and otherwise. And he went out to that market space and defined himself as the expert, not so that he could fix problems, so that people would want to desire to come in contact with him. Mm. And he didn't stop in his local region. He now has a spillover effect through Epic Pediatrics and otherwise, where he's training thousands of parents in hundreds of different offices to where they now have the ability to want to have their child checked to see if the subluxation or the nerve interference is associated with the behavior their child is exhibiting. And that's the story that he told. Mm -hmm. And he named it a perfect storm in certain aspects, but it was a story build. It wasn't a proof and efficacy build. It was a story build. And we can all do that. Yeah, we, we can. So let's imagine this, because uh, some of our listeners now, I, I hope many of them, minds will be starting to tick about, like, how could I do this in my practice? How could I start to do this 
from this afternoon, from this morning, from tomorrow when I'm back in there too. So where would you begin if you were wanting to start this branding differentiation, wanting to tell a story around your practice? Where, where would you start? Well, we talked about we talked about the rote standards that everybody does. And, and look, I, I'm, a, you know, take it for what it's worth. I'm, I'm a big fan of the exam as being the part where you have the real reason to believe to tell the story. You yes. know, so I think that anybody, sure. I mean, our focus is on building digital exams with them. But if you don't have a digital examination technology at this instant, you are still doing things with that, that give shock and awe. You know, that are really brilliant for them to look at. You know, you could just as simply show somebody a neurological test that is relevant to them. It, you know, have them close their eyes and try and walk heel to toe four steps. And, and it's referred to as an Undenberger test and watch them kind of waver and fall over and build a story and say, you know, your nervous system relies on input from your eyes. And if you take away that nerve, that take away that that eye, that visual thing, it's relying simply on its ability to feel itself in its environment. It's obvious your body can't feel itself in its environment that way. You know, in chiropractic, that tells us there may be stress on your processing nervous system. Let's take a look deeper. Lay down and let me check you this way. And palpate the tight muscles and look for a leg check and say, you know, well, you may not be aware of this, but your right leg appears to be close to half an inch short when you lay down. You don't have a short leg. Your body is in a defense mechanism. It's fighting itself and pulling away from a problem. Do you feel it here? Do you have it here? Good. The story you're building is this message build for, you know, chiropractic practitioners here, this message build that is far away from bone out, pinches nerve, causes problem and causes pain to, oh my gosh, my balance is out, my function is out. And you subtly shift from being a, an inflamed muscle nerve to being a stressed out nervous system. You mm -hmm. see that's the story build. I learned a long time ago to, to begin the conversation to change their perspective because that's what the stories do is that they give you an opportunity to change perspective. To just ask the patient, as you're sitting there and, and introducing yourself to, you know, to a new patient anyways, is, so why do you think chiropractic is the right choice for you? So let them talk, you know, just let the, you know, just open it up. And I just let them talk. And I just, you know, well, I have this is that I have pain. And sometimes they'll challenge you by stopping the conversation, kind of stare at you. And I'll create that that ability and that sort of middle pause thing to, to, to just layer something in and just very simply say, you know, I have learned in my experience. Again, this is the expert talking. I don't have to define anything. I've learned in my experience that when stress overwhelms the nervous system, that it can create situations like you just described. Why don't we begin? by looking at the stress within your nervous system. I'll have one of my staff do a stress test on your nervous system and we'll take it from there. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I can help them. I'm not talking about 1895 and BJ and DD giving the things. It's like, I heard you and you know what? Why don't we start there and see where this takes us? Mm -hmm. And that's the story. You, you, as I mentioned at the very introduction here, you are the master of the story. You're a master of a bridging statement of which you know, we've talked in the past about the power of the so you can in terms of from a marketing well, point of view. Yeah. So you can is the, is the definite win. If anybody takes away anything and it's changed, you know, you taught me so you can. And it has changed the entire conversational culture within CLA. 
Yes. The, the so you can version, because it's a less eloquent, ver but when we run a test, I, I often do a Fakuda's test, so similar to what you talked about beforehand, eyes closed, marching on the spot, same kind of thing there as well. Now, if I do that, the, the statement, my, my in-practice version of so you can is, here's what that means to you. So, and if we don't, because we stop at that, I'm noticing here that you've got a right short leg. Okay, I'm noticing, but we stop. Because what is it, here's what that means to you. And and I by saying that I've chosen those words carefully because it's you, I want you to know, here's what it means to you. And we build a bridge between something that, you know, in marketing, we talk lots about features and benefits, uh, but but I want, I want them to understand something because we take so many of these things for, for granted, we see them each and every day. We see, you know, rotated, twisted tension through the spinal neurosystem. We see short legs. We see postural shifts. We see forward head shift. That we be, it becomes numb to us in some way, and yet we understand the bigness of it. And we also understand that we can help people with it also. But we need to stop. And you know, the the way that you so um, as you were explaining how you talked about. You know your postural test before went oh i'm looking forward to kind of rewinding that later on and getting that kind of verbiage but even if you just started that with each test that you do even if it's something as simple as a reflex test here's what that means to you i do see here's how that means i don't i don't think you can say that too often i would say that uh eight ten twelve times in my examination each time i'm doing something you know i, I link in with that here's what that means to you and that's that then allows for the story. You're the best at anybody I've ever met with regards to here's what that means to you. It's a poetry for you. In a way, I'm like, damn, that was good. I love that, and thank you. I love watching people learn or get an aha without having to have a talking head force them. It's, and, and I never got off on the Socratic, which was, tell me what that means to you. It's, it's the opposite of that is that you stand as the expert and that this should mean to you or so you can. You know, when you have that definitive so you can or this means that to you, you're speaking from a point of authority. And, you know, I, if I can give three really succinct conversations that I learned how to build around that was when we hired a branding you know, guru, there were three attributes that you need to think of when you're, when you're either building your brand or even conversing. Number one, overt benefits. Features benefits you talked about. Don't talk features. Go to overt benefits where this means to you. Uh, number two, at all times, build it out where the RRTB, which is the real reason to believe, is evident. And it could be a short leg. It could be a tight muscle. It could be something in a touch and tell. In our world, you know, we are looking at microprocessing of neurofunctional signals that are in the millions of volts. You cannot detect those with these beautiful sensors. You have to use a more refined sensor. But it gives you the real reason to believe that the entire neural processor is being fragged because of the subluxation model that's in there. And the third component, which is what we talked about earlier, is the dramatic difference. In other words, define yourself, make yourself visible, and, and stand for something. Like, don't stand for the generality of, well, you know, chiropractic can help you, is be the dramatic difference to brand yourself to say, oh, no, the way we do things allows us to help you this way. And, and that's the modeling that, that communicates. And, you know, this is where this expert model comes in. And, and you know, 
when you start to recognize this expert that you're within and the certainty that lies within you, you exude this sense of certainty, you exude this expert within you. And don't be afraid to push it out there. It's not, it, you know, if you do that, you're not trying to be self-righteous or other words, you're trying to support them to be able to make the next step by building a bigger story where you want to, you know, we always talk about invitational psychology. So when we talk and build the stories, it's not to put ourselves in a hierarchical position. It's just the opposite. It's pull marketing is that we're definitely creating an invitation for them to live in our world, which we know we can manage, which is a subluxation managed neurofunctional improvement model. We know that. So we use pull marketing language, which pulls them into us. And that's called invitational psychology. And it's a beautiful way to go. Mm. I, I'm going to encourage our listeners. For, for many of you, you'll be realizing now your, uh, in, you know, what the differentiator is. You'll be, your mind will be racing. You go, great, here's another way that I can articulate my exam. Here's another way I can talk about, you know, some of the procedures that we have in the practice. And for some of you, you might be still drawing a little bit of a blank. And sometimes that's because we don't see the forest for the trees. It might be useful to sit down perhaps and re-listen to this episode with a staff member and then walk your staff member, your front desk, somebody, a friend, a loved one, someone who's a little distant from the practice there too, walk them through what you do and just explain it the way that you normally do and have them look for those things because they may well be able to come up with those ahas, those differentiators that you talked about beforehand. But finding these points is one thing and then beginning to articulate them that's what then starts to deliver your care inside that turquoise box that we've talked about as as, as well i i've got a page full of notes here i'm excited about it too david in in kind of winding this up as as well what are your final thoughts in around do you have some suggestions or perhaps some action steps that our listeners can take to today to better help them serve their community brand their practice differentiate and stand out yeah, I, I think I'd like everyone to look in the mirror and see a chiropractor when they look in the mirror. In other words, that I want them to be so proud of the choice. And I'm sorry, I know we speak to naturopaths, so you know whatever your chosen profession is. Yes. But look in the mirror and have this sense of pride that you chose something that was so special that had your name written all over it, you know, innately, purposely, and everything else. But begin with this self sense of love, gratitude, and otherwise, because when you get that. The branding becomes you anyways. You know, we talked about that earlier is that you need to see yourself as the brand. And in, in light of that, whether you name your practice with your name or otherwise, that's irrelevant. But take that attention to you and realize that you have this special ability. And then do everything you can to earn the respect and the rights of those you are going to work towards. You know that you know that you know that you're going to deliver your best every time. That's your, that's your warranty that you're going into. And when you walk in with that level of certainty, and you don't have to be certain about how they're going to feel. In fact, that's out of your hands. But you can be certain about one thing, and that's that you're going to bring your best to the table each and every moment that they're going to be there. And you need to be comfortable to know that you are a great listener for one reason, that you want to change the story that they're going to be able to walk away with at the end of that session. And every session can be different. It's not hard. It's enthralling. And when you're seeing 100, 150, 200 patient visits daily yourself, 
it's amazing how that momentum continuously begins to grow with 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 that story build. You feel in you know enlivened with it. So stories, branding, expert, and do everything you can. We're here to you know we meaning Audio Media and even CLA and friends that we have. I thought that was brilliant. By the way, is self coaching and self evaluation. Have your closest people to you show you your blind spots because you know even though we can look in the mirror and see who we see there are people who see us slightly differently and they can sh- support the brilliance that you don't see in yourself so use that yeah beautiful uh, buddy thanks for sharing with us uh so generously today I, I i i can't get enough of you i always come away from the conversations that we have elevated excited um in awe of your ability to be able to take somewhat uh complex topics and simplify them but not simplify them too much also if our listeners um want to get even more of david fletcher what are the best social pipelines or avenues for them to do that you know the easiest is actually uh our great friend tony rose uh, and myself we have a collaborative um uh, podcast which is called the insightful chiropractor you know that's a great way to catch up we never put enough episodes out there but i think there's a lot that you can go and, and hear some 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 silly banter but but informational banter um you know there are blogs and there are ebooks and there are conversations in video and otherwise um at insightcla.com our website and they just have to you know noodle around with it um we're always on social in the cla so chiropractic leadership alliance has a has a facebook page that's that's relevant and for those of you that do have the insight we have a, a clinical forum uh that we love to share and uh it's a great interactive one which is called the insight cla forum so a lot of different social a lot of very accessible things here's the thing um when you get so positively enmeshed in in realizing that marketing is not an add-on to your life it is what you do every day it's the visibility of and this the sense of expert nation building that you get a chance to look at somebody who is so masterful and I'm going to give this back like Angus who has dedicated his life through chiropractic through healthcare and through learning to to in you know empower others you need to stick around this guy you need to stick around and learn more about what he can share with you and you need to share this and i'm serious with this if you're listening share this with many many others so that they can support you as you grow yeah well that's um incredibly generous and i'm touched by that buddy i look forward to uh the next time we chat i do sincerely hope it is in person but if not then we should at least get uh on this medium and and talk further give my love to nancy and thanks for all that you do take care mate if you enjoyed listening to this podcast you have to come and check out the community influencer program it's my monthly coaching program where we take all this material and i'll work one-on-one with you to apply implement systematize and help guide you and your practice to the next level now you can join me on over at adiomedia.com forward slash join. That's adiomedia.com forward slash join. I'd love to see you in there.